Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, amazingly, even though the Eagles look really awful on offense and Carson Wentz is not playing well at all, they're, they're still in it despite their 17-9 loss to the Seahawks because the Cowboys lost to the Patriots 13-9, so the Eagles are still a game behind Dallas with five games to go. That being said, there's a lot that has to be fixed, and who better to tell us what needs to be fixed than the Hall of Famer Ray Didinger from WIP and NBC Sports Philadelphia. Ray, good morning. Let's start with Carson Wentz. He was inaccurate. He's still holding on to the ball too long. He's careless with turnovers. What do the Eagles need to do with Wentz? <laughs> well, contrary to what the popular opinion is at the moment, um, I would say you keep playing him. <laughs> Although there seems to be a growing sentiment uh, among the fans who are very frustrated, which I understand, uh, about uh, let, let's go to let's go to McCown or let's go to Sudfeld. Uh, and I'm not ready to go there. I mean, Carson Wentz is. I mean, he's your quarterback. You've made you've made the commitment to him, and he's in a he's in a bad place right now. There's no question about that. Uh, the last couple weeks have been downright ugly. But the idea that you're going to take him out and put in a 40-year-old gym teacher, which is basically what Josh McCown is, I, I'm, not, I'm not prepared to go there right now. But they do, have to, they do have to fix their quarterback. I mean, they've got, I understand that he's playing with a lot of backup people around him, and, um, yeah, and that's part of it. But another big part of it is, is him right now. And yesterday is probably... I, I think it's probably the worst game. It's, it's the worst game he's played this year for sure, and it may be the worst game he's played as a pro. Wow, that, and that's saying a lot right there, Ray. Um, so the right side of the offensive line was clearly an issue in addition to Wentz. It certainly didn't help Wentz. Lane Johnson didn't play. Brandon Brooks left early with an illness. Um, Jason Peters afterwards, and I know you heard it because I, I saw it on your NBC Sports Philadelphia postgame show. Jason Peters even said that, you know, maybe I'll have to move to right tackle next week if Lane's not ready to go. What do you think about that potentially happening? Well, first of all, good for Jason Peters for volunteering it. Um, and uh, I think he, the way he said it, I think he kind of recognizes that that's probably the smart move right now. Um, because Dillard, the rookie, did have a lot of problems moving over to the right side. Uh, I knew it would be an adjustment, but I didn't think it would be such an adjustment that you'd have to wind up pulling them from the game. Uh, but now that you've got, you've got that evidence in front of you and you've got another whole week to prepare for uh, the next game, yeah, I think that it could, very well, it could very well be that if Lane Johnson doesn't come back, and it kind of looks doubtful that he will, um, then maybe that's your best option. Maybe your best option is to take Jason Peters, move him over to right tackle, and let Dillard go to left tackle where he's, he's – been practicing. That's the only position he ever played in college. He never took a snap on the right side. He said he hadn't played the right side since he was in junior high school. So there's no question that was an adjustment. So, okay, put him back at left tackle where he's played his whole college career, where he had a full training camp, and where he had actually started and played pretty well, I thought, earlier this season. That might help stabilize the offensive line. And if you get Brandon Brooks back next week, which I would assume you would, then that will certainly help. But 
It was, uh, you know, Carson Wentz was under fire right from the beginning. I mean, he, he couldn't trust the right side of his line, which I understand. Uh, and Sayamala was having some issues. And it was, everything was breaking down around him. Uh, and he doesn't have the best receivers. So I understand that this is far from an ideal circumstance. But still, there were some opportunities there and there were some receivers open and he just couldn't hit them. No, and, and you're right. He doesn't have the best receivers. But that being said, um, one of the positives I thought from yesterday was, and, and, and I'm really stretching when it comes to positives for this game, but one of the positives I thought, thought was Greg Ward, who, who did a decent job coming in, being active for uh, the first time in, in a long time since I can remember. That, why, why did it take so long, Ray, for Greg Ward to get on the field and be active when you see Jordan Matthews can't get open, Nelson Aguilar can't catch a ball, Mac Hollins can't make a play, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside isn't doing anything. Why hasn't Greg Ward played, played more? Um, because I think they just view him as a practice squad player. And sometimes coaches are guilty of that. They just, in their mind, they just kind of, yeah, he's, he's a practice squad guy. And they, and they never really look beyond that. In some cases, I mean, you've got, you know, Matt Collins was a fourth-round draft choice. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was a second-round draft choice. Jordan Matthews is a guy that had been with you before, was they viewed as a veteran, even though you've had to pick him back up three times. Um, I, I think they, you know, in, in the coach's mind, for the lack of a better term, those guys all have some kind of pedigree. Greg Ward is a you know converted college quarterback who's been a practice squad receiver and been, had some nice preseason games, but that's just kind of how they view him. Uh, unfairly, I think. I, I think I think sometimes coaches are guilty of that. They just sort of that's kind of what he is, and that, you know that's all he is. And they and they just concentrate on the guys that they think are going to be their players, and the other guys are just kind of there off to the side. Um, but when this team struggled as badly as this team has struggled for receivers all year. Every time Greg Ward had a chance to do anything, I mean, going back to spring camp, summer camp, preseason games, you threw the ball to him, he caught it. When he ran a route, he got open. You threw him the ball, he caught it. Uh, and that was that's kind of what the kind of player they've been looking for all year, and he's kind of been right there under his under their nose. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a question a lot of people are asking today. You know, hey, this guy's not too bad. You know, as badly as you've been playing at the receiver position this year, why did it take you, first of all, why did it take you this long to give him a chance? And then secondly, after he had a really good first half in this game, why did he disappear in the second half? Those are all very valid questions. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I got one more on the offense. Um, According to the Tacoma Tribune, uh, Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright, who had, I think off the top of my head, 12 tackles yesterday. I think he was the the leading tackler on the Seahawks and even in the game. K.J. Wright said that the Seattle defense was able to call out some of the Eagles' plays before it happened. How alarming is that? And from your perspective watching the game on television, were you able to notice some predictable things as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, the, 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 the tight end screen, for example, um, is a play that they've that they ran to the point where it's, it is very predictable. It's predictable by situation. It's predictable by formation. Uh, and they have run it, and they have run it, and they have run it uh, in the last few weeks. And part of it is a function that they just can't get any play out of their wide receivers. So they've been maybe overusing the tight ends, both Ertz and Goddard. And so there were a couple situations yesterday where, yeah, I, I saw them, and I said, this is going to be the tight end screen, and sure enough, it was. So now if I can pick it up, <laughs> I'm sure that the Seattle Seahawks can pick it up. Um, so, yeah, that's a problem, but I think part of it is, and I think it's true, uh, I don't know to what degree it's true, but I do think it is true, that there's a certain predictability uh, that translates over to the defense. Uh, 
And I think part of it is just the fact that they are so hurting for personnel and they are so devoid of talent on that side um, that when you don't have the players, it kind of shrinks your playbook. And there's only a handful of plays that you probably feel comfortable running with the cast of players that you have right now. So the smaller the playbook and the fewer plays you run, the easier it becomes for the defense. I think that's probably true. The defense, Ray, the Eagles defense did a really good job against Russell Wilson. I, I, I can't remember Russell Wilson playing that bad against the Eagles in his four matchups. That might have, that might have been the wor- worst. But one thing that is bothering some people this morning, and it's totally understandable, is that after, uh, I believe, Roddy McLeod's interception, they and they were down a touchdown at that point, the defense goes to the end zone to celebrate. What's your reaction to that? Is that the, is that the right thing to do? Is it the time and place for it, or should, should they have just moved on and, and not even done anything? Oh no, yeah, it's 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 stupid, and it, it looks ridiculous. I mean, it's really it. You know, we use the term optics now. What good optics and bad optics? That that was about as bad as you can get uh, in that situation. As frustrating as this season has been, uh, and as badly as this team has played now over the last couple of weeks, yeah, give the defense credit. The defense played really good. But that was completely inappropriate. I mean that that kind of you know that kind of posing for the fo- fo- photograph thing. I mean that played very well down the stretch in 2017 when the team was playing really well. You were winning games. You were on your way to the playoffs, and everybody was they were in a mood to celebrate. Nobody should be in a mood to celebrate right now with the way this team's playing. So yeah, it was it was completely inappropriate. I'm sure the I'm sure the coaches saw it and cringed. Um, the audience, I'm, I'm sure. I mean. I'm sure the fans were booing. I'm sure the fans didn't enjoy it. Uh, yeah, it was it was just a bad look. And there's a time and a place for that kind of thing. And 2017, it was kind of all part of the fun, and we all enjoyed it. But uh, 2017 seems like a long time ago. Oh, it does. It certainly does seem like a long time ago. And, and Ray, I, I said at the beginning, they're still in it, despite how poor they've played. They're five and six, but the Cowboys are six and five because they lost to New England 13 to nine. And and. I feel like a lot of things that I'm hearing from some of the players afterwards is that there are five games to go, still in it, uh, you know, reasonable schedule, winnable games, this, that, and so on and so forth. But that be- that being said, like, do they realize that they're just playing awful right now? That the you know is it is being one game behind kind of clouding and overshadowing the big issue. And and I guess to sum it all up, do you sense that there's enough urgency with this team that despite the fact that they're only down a game, that they really haven't played well? Um, oh, I think they know that. I, I mean, they're not blind to that. I mean, they they see the film, and they know. Um, they know what, what they've been putting on the field lately. And the, nobody can feel good about the last two games. Defense maybe to some degree, because they've certainly more than done their part, but I mean, everybody, you know, top to bottom on that roster, I mean, none of them like being five and six, and I don't think anybody's going to paint a happy face on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at the remainder of the schedule and you look at the opponents that they've got, and, the, you know, the Giants are not very are not good, the Redskins are awful, the, the, the Dolphins are bad. So, I mean, you can make a case that could they win all of those games? Yeah, they could. But I, I think where, if you are where the Eagles are right now, the only thing you can do is just take it one at a time. The old, the old cliche, one at a time. I mean, don't look down at that list of games and say, oh, we've run the table here. No, there's, there's, there's no, none of that at this point. With the team that you have right now, and as inconsistently as this team has played, and as poorly as they have played now for two weeks in a row, you have to take each game as an individual game. And they just got to look at one thing, and that's next week we go to South Beach, we play the Dolphins, we win that game. 
and then we move on and we play the next game. Uh, this team has forfeited the right to take anything for granted. Even when you're playing bad teams, you're going to have to play. You're going to have to play. You can't assume you're going to beat them because right now you're a bad team too. Yep, nothing is guaranteed, Ray, and, and nothing's even guaranteed against that 2-9 and Dolphins team that they got coming up on Sunday. Well, thank you very much for the time, as always. Uh, we will preview Eagles and the 2-9 and Miami Dolphins Sunday morning. Thanks, Ray. Have a great week. All right. Take care, David. Bye-bye. See you. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of WIP and NBC Sports Philadelphia. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.